I am Elisaveta. So happy that you're joining me here today. Today's topic is a good one because I think it strikes a nerve with most dancers as we stumble upon this obstacle very early on in the tango journey. And I don't think anybody really escapes experiencing this emotion, this state of mind, and that is the idea of whose fault is it when something is not working? (laughs) I tell you, most obstacles for tango dancers have to do with more of the psychological realm and the emotional realm rather than technical. So when it comes to people working on tango together, there is bound to be conflict as we learn to distinguish between what is it that we are doing in our bodies and how do we actually perceive what's going on in our partner's bodies. These are skills that have to be developed. This is not something that most of us grow up with. Uh, And so it becomes a challenge because we come up against our own internal beliefs and limited uh, notions about who we are and what we're capable of. And the result is a lot of anxiety, uh, a lot of suffering internally, and even a lot of fighting on the dance floor. So in today's banter, I want to reflect on this idea with a specific focus on what I've observed in myself as a woman and in other women when it comes to answering the question of whose fault is it. I'm curious how you even feel in this moment when I even ask this question, whose fault is it? Think about the last time something didn't work with a partner or you had a bad dance And when I ask you, whose fault is it? What is the first thing that comes to mind? I bet that either you'll say, well, it's nobody's fault because we're in this together and we're both contributing. Or you might say, it was definitely my fault. Absolutely, because I was a leader. I'm a leader. And leaders are always at fault. If something's not working, we are told that it's the leader's fault. So you might say that. But for some of you, you might say, I don't know. I'm wondering the same thing. Is it because of me? Do I need to change something about me? Is it my partner? And how do I actually know if it is or not? So depending on your response to this question, you might take away different things from this episode. And I would love for you to share some of your thoughts as you listen uh, to these ideas. And maybe you have uh, something else to contribute to this particular discussion, which you can do by joining my private Facebook group, 
Uh, and uh, the link is in the show notes. So you will notice that a lot of the themes that I am introducing in my episodes are themes that I see my community um, discuss. I see people question a lot of these um, ingrained ideas, a lot of these thoughts that we have on the inside, but we don't have the opportunity to talk about. So if you feel that's something that you might uh, like to be a part of, and that might be a support to you on your journey, please feel free to join by clicking the link in the show notes. Tango is notorious for causing conflict. And this was one of the first things that I noticed for myself. I'll tell you, the first conflict that I experienced in Tango was actually in my uh, one of my first classes. And I had many first classes in Tango because, as I said before, when I first got introduced to Tango, it's just because I was interested in a guy and he did Tango. And so I wanted to hang out around him. So we went to the Malanga and, you know, he, we'd go to the pre-Malanga classes sometimes, but most of the time we would just show up. So I would go to these group classes and it wasn't until maybe even like a year later that I was actually in a relationship now with this person. We ended up being in a relationship for over four years and about a year or a year and a half into our relationship, I was thinking to myself, you know, we really need to have something that we can explore together that doesn't have to do with our work. He owned a yoga center and I was working at the yoga center. So I had this career as a yoga teacher and I was helping him uh, develop the yoga center and build his business. And I was also a professional artist uh, teaching uh, at colleges and universities. So I was an adjunct professor. I was also showing in galleries and seeking gallery representation and in this world of the arts. So we were always either doing something to do with yoga or something to do with art. And it was like, there was nothing else. And I really felt like in order for our relationship to develop, we should do something that doesn't have to do with her work. And so I thought one day, you know what? I wonder where is that tango couple that I saw dancing at the Malonga like months ago? And I looked them up and they had a class, group class that they did at a university, not far from us. It was on a weeknight. And so I had this marvelous idea that I was going to take my boyfriend out on a date to a tango class. Okay. Oh my gosh. As I recount this right now, I'm just thinking to myself how silly I was. <laughs> So true to my personality and my style desiring nature, I decided to go to this class, this group class meeting at a medical university 
on like a Tuesday night. I decided to wear my fishnet stockings with a little black dress and ballroom stiletto heels that I was just gifted by a friend. To say that I felt ridiculous once I walked into that room filled with students wearing, you know, whatever jeans, t-shirts, polo shirts, you know, really nerdy people who are just there to go to class and then come to tango. And here I am in my fishnet stocking. So already I felt really uncomfortable about what was going on. Plus I did not know how to wear heels. And I remember in that class, there was a portion where we did a drill in front of the mirror. And my teacher, who was and is a gorgeous woman, is demoing in front of the mirror, looking at herself in the mirror as she is doing these movements. And I cannot look at myself in the mirror. I am so mortified by how clumsy and ugly I, I look. Like I am a cow on skis was the word that came to my mind, like I felt so out of whack. And so this was me when I first came into this environment in tango. And in that class, as we walk into this class that I paid for, that I invited my boyfriend to, he decides that when they break up the group into beginner, intermediate, and advanced, which is how they structured their classes, he was going to go to the intermediate group and leave me in the beginner group. I was pissed. <laughs> and that was the beginning. That was the first conflict. I was so upset about that. I felt it was so unfair that he would leave me. But at the same time, it was appropriate because he's danced and I haven't. So in reality, yeah, he totally, I, now I understand his predicament, right? Cause like, yeah, of course he, if he wants to learn something, he'll go to the other group because he's that level. But I took it really personally that he chose not to stay with me in the group. So began the beginning of the end of our relationship. And there were many, many fights that happened in the class. And I got to say, I became really savvy at upsetting my partner. And at the time, I didn't realize perhaps that somehow that I was doing it on purpose because I think this confrontational nature was something that was coming from a deep sense of powerlessness. And this was the only way I could feel powerful. And here's what I would do, right? We'd be dancing in the class and something wouldn't be working. He's trying some sort of figure and it's not working. And I think I know what's going on. But I know that if I say something, he's going to get upset because that was already the dynamic. He's going to get upset 
and then there's going to be a fight. So instead, what I would do is I would just kind of like gloat as things didn't work in my mind and this energy of like, yeah, let's see you make it work. It's not working, is it? It's not working. It's not working. Like that mindset. And then I would say very innocently, perhaps we should ask the teacher. <laughs> and the teacher would come. And a lot of times when they would answer the question of whose fault it was, who is not doing something, a lot of times, most of the time, it was him. He would get the feedback from the teacher that it was him, that it, he was doing something. Sometimes it was me, but very rarely. <laughs> and when that happened, I would, I would just stand back with this smugness and be like, hell yeah, that's right. I was right. I was right. Needless to say, the tension that that caused between us was too much for us to handle. I just wasn't mature enough to even reflect on what I was doing to create the conflict. This happened for me with other partners. And in fact, the next partner that I had, it was even worse. Our fighting became even more pronounced. Everything from fighting in practicas, storming off in tears, um, arguing. I mean, just the most immature, melodramatic bullshit <laughs> that you can possibly imagine. Like so teenage in a way, but somehow like I, that's, I needed to go through that. I needed to go through that pain. I provoked in many cases our conflict. And at the same time, whatever power I had, it was hidden from me because I believed to be for myself to be powerless. And so it didn't matter what I did. It's like, it was such unconscious action that, that I couldn't figure out how not to fight with that person, how not to take it personally, their feedback. And this whole dynamic spiraled out of control many, many times. So the conflict arises from this question of whose fault is it and how do we deal with that question. What kind of an emotional response do we have to that question? Do we get very angry if somebody suggests that somebody something was our fault? Do we get defensive? Or are we absolutely immediately ready to take on the blame without even thinking about it? It's like, oh no, no, that was mine. It was me. It was totally me. Right? Those are two opposite reactions, but both of them are very, very emotional. Like this question of fault is very triggering for most people. And I've observed that men and women in general are going to deal a little differently with responding to this question. And to me, that's where a lot of the gender dynamics that 
perhaps are guiding our everyday life, but are very unconscious, that's where they get to be revealed by like, how do we actually respond to that question? So it appears to me that most men on the surface in their philosophy with their words would say that if something's not working on the dance floor, it's their fault. And that will be a personal philosophy that they dance with. But I don't think that's all men. There are men who are actually are very much of the opinion that they are right and that they are supposed to illuminate for the other person when the other person is doing something wrong. And because women typically end up dancing with lots of different men, we sort of get a little bit of everything. Sometimes it's true. We dance with somebody and you really feel like you're dancing and you can do nothing wrong. And among women, I tell you, those are the dancers that we're after. Ladies, correct me if I'm wrong, but that feeling that when you dance with your partner and your partner's dancing with you in such a way that you feel that you can do nothing wrong. I mean, that feeling is incredible. So with some men, we do feel that. But then there are other types of men who give us the complete opposite message. Recently, I was at an event and I was dancing with this beautiful woman who is an incredible dancer. After the first song, I was just floating on some other cloud somewhere. And I asked her how her afternoon was going. And she said that she was recovering from a bad tanda. And the tanda that she was describing had happened a couple of hours earlier. And I asked her what was wrong. And she said that her leader started giving her feedback about her not following him or not doing what he is leading and giving her that criticism. And to me, I was appalled because of course we all know this is something that should not ever happen on the social dance floor. And yet it does right? We all would say that that's appalling, that somebody would think it appropriate to give that kind of feedback. But nevertheless, it happens. And for women, we might have 10 amazing dances and then have one dance where we feel criticized or judged or somehow we're not living up to their expectation or we're not good enough in some way. And it wipes away <laughs> all of the other good stuff. Suddenly we feel so shitty about ourselves. We think that we don't measure up. It doesn't matter that 10 other people love dancing with us. We think we're supposed to improve our pivots and go get more privates and work on our axis and our core is not strong enough and our feet are not correct. And, and 
I find that that is mostly the mindset that women struggle with. There's a little bit of this paranoia that even though the message that we all hear through the leaders and through the philosophy and the culture and the tradition is that it's the leader's fault. Uh, so just, you know, relax, be yourself. You know? <laughs> that whole uh, idea that as followers, all we need to do is just be receptive and everything's going to be okay and nobody's going to judge us because it's really up to the lead. Even though that's the messages we receive, that's not something that we actually feel on the inside because of this inconsistency that sometimes we will deal with somebody who is critical, who will give us feedback about our dancing. And sometimes it's uncalled for. And in those moments, most women will take that on and they will believe it. That's been my observation. I distinctly remember this challenge in Buenos Aires when I was there during my six and a half month stay and I was there with my partner. So we were in a relationship and we were practicing and dancing and taking lessons together. And then I was also dancing a lot socially. I had certain people that I was dancing with uh, regularly very pretty high level in terms of social dancing. So there were a lot of men who were giving me a lot of feedback. And so much of it was contradictory. And my then partner complained about certain things and wanted me to change and tell me how to do things. But then my other dance partner really liked to dance with me and didn't want anything different. Sometimes I would get complimented and sometimes I would get criticized. And I remember distinctly my Argentinian friend who came to visit me in Portland once I came back and we hadn't danced in some time. And so we took the embrace and we started dancing and I was really enjoying myself. Like, I was like, oh, this is so cool. I get to dance with this amazing dancer. He's from Buenos Aires. And like, I just felt so excited. And as he took the embrace and we took a few steps, he sort of recoiled and was like, whoa, 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 what are you doing? What's wrong with you? Like, you know, stop doing this or something. And it was like such a dramatic reaction from him. And I immediately cinched up everything about my energy cinched up. And I immediately was in this state of like, what am I doing wrong? What does he mean? What, what is it that I'm supposed to change? What's wrong with me? And I, put myself in this position where I was looking for him to tell me what I'm doing wrong because I believed that what he's experiencing in my dance is the thing that is true, that he can tell me. But I tell you, 
this did not pay off this mindset because I just became more and more frustrated. And the thing that frustrated me the most about this is that sometimes I would get the criticism and I would just kind of have this crumpling up feeling inside, like the seething feeling that I knew that that's not what's happening. Like that I, I, like, I know this is not, I know that I'm right. <laughs> I know that, that I, I feel it. I feel the difference, but I cannot articulate what I'm feeling. And I know that there are many dancers out there who will resonate with that state of mind where you might dance with somebody and they give you feedback and you're just like, oh, no, that's not it. But you don't know how to say it. You don't know what it is you're feeling. You don't know how to express it. And for most women, that is the case, both in cultural situations at large around the world and within tango. We're really, we're really living this out in real time. We haven't practiced the skill of actually saying what it is we're feeling and that, no, perhaps it's not my fault. It's actually your fault. And here's why. Like, just imagine saying that. Think about a person that you might have worked with who had had that energy of shutting you down and telling you how it is, you know, and you feel that frustration. Imagine telling them with confidence, with clarity, with absolute certainty, actually, this is what's going on. It's actually you and you need to do this and you need to change here. Just like that. Is that even, is, is that feasible? Is that feasible? For me, that wasn't feasible for a long, long time. So if you said yes, I applaud you because it's an amazing skill to have for life and for tango <laughs> to be able to articulate clearly, to see objectively whose fault something actually is, I think is such a overlooked uh, skill. And for us women to learn to articulate what it is we're feeling and not to take things personally, but to perhaps respond in kind or to meet the challenge. So for example, for that young woman who felt so bad about her dance for hours after that guy gave her that feedback. I would hope that if that happened to her again, she would just walk off the dance floor, literally walk off the dance floor immediately for everyone to see. I think that should be a rule that if a leader gives you any feedback <laughs> like that on the dance floor, besides just the absolute praise of dancing with you, no matter what, right? That is what we want to promote. This idea that we're genuinely choosing to be with that person without judgment. 
and appreciating them for who they are. So that's the kind of respect that you want to demand from everyone else. And if you can't imagine yourself demanding that respect, then perhaps it's time for you to start imagining possibly one day coming to that place because you do deserve that. You do deserve to have that respect from everyone. And whoever doesn't give you that respect, you have my permission <laughs> and encouragement to not interact with that person, to not continue giving to them something that they did not deserve, they did not earn, right? But I find that for a lot of women, we continue to take it. We'll put it on us. We'll invest in the honor of not speaking up and being nice and holding the peace or looking to self-improve, looking to serve more, to be more understanding. But I don't really think that ultimately that serves anyone. And what I found for myself is that it really disempowered me as a dancer. It stunted my development as a dancer because just think about how you feel in your body when you're in a state of anxiety. When my friend gave me that feedback about me not dancing correctly, according to him, everything about my movement became very questionable. I did not step with confidence. I did not trust my own body. I did not trust my own expression. I, I was like, sensing the space around me with all of my energy, just focusing on the external because I felt like there was something going on that I didn't understand. So it puts me in this defensive state. And I feel that in other women when I dance with them, that when I first take the embrace, there's that shaking, that shaking, that nervousness, like, oh, my, am I going to be good enough, right? And then there might be questioning, am I, is this okay? Is this, I'm so sorry. Um, thank you so much for dancing with me. You don't have to dance with me. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm not that great or be apologizing, apologizing for mistakes, asking for feedback immediately. If there's anything wrong, tell me, I want to know if there's anything wrong that, that attitude, um, when you're in that state of mind, when you're thinking those thoughts. You are in a limited state. When you're in that state, you are not really connected with your dance. You're not really dancing to your full capacity because you're invested in the feedback from the other person. You're waiting for the other person to tell you whether you're good enough or not. And so if anything happens, if there's anything that goes wrong in the dance, when you are feeling this way, when you're in that state of mind, if there's a mistake without even examining this, you'll just think it's your fault. Oh, it's, it's my fault. It's my fault. It's, it's me. It's I, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Right. And we apologize. 
And the leader might say, oh, you don't have to apologize. Or, oh, don't worry about it. It's, it's always the leader's fault. You know, like that, you, that might be said to you, but in the end, you kind of don't believe that, do you? You might be like, yeah, they just, they just don't know that I'm actually not very good. <laughs> you know, like if they really found out who I really am, if I really allowed myself to move the way I want to, they would find out I'm actually not a very good dancer. So I need to do everything I can so I can pass and I can fulfill that, that leader's expectation. And let me tell you, this is exhausting. I don't know if I'm the only one. I, I'm really diving deep here into my own experience. I'm really not speaking for everyone. I'm curious if others out there had you know, similar trajectories in their tango development. Maybe, maybe you've had very little conflict and you lucked out. So it might not apply. But I, I do think that based on the feedback I'm getting from a lot of the women in the community and women who've been reaching out to me, it does seem like when it comes to whose fault is it, most women will take the responsibility for something not working. So what do we do with this? How do we, how do we change it? If, if you want that, I did, I wanted to change that. I wanted to feel, I wanted to feel that I was informed, that I could speak back, that I could answer, that I could argue. I wanted to be able to express myself and to defend my point of view. I also wanted to feel that I really knew what I was doing. Maybe, maybe I don't know all of it. <laughs> and maybe I'm not right about a lot of it, but I wanted to feel like I knew. So when it comes to fault, I wanted to understand for myself when it's my fault and when it is my partner's fault. And then I wanted to be able to express that without judgment, without emotion. And in that way, learn because ultimately the question whose fault is it doesn't have to be very emotionally charged. It can be a very banal question. And that's what I always want to impart whenever I'm dancing with somebody who feels that they're messing up and something's not working and there's something wrong with them. I want to empower them and show them that actually everything is exactly the way it's supposed to be. Even the mistakes, you know, how Bob Ross famously would say, mistakes are just happy accidents, right? That 
yes, it is your fault that you lost balance, perhaps, and that's okay. It's okay that you lost balance and it's okay that it's your fault and vice versa. It's okay for me to be wrong. It's okay for me to say something and then for my partner to say, no, actually, this is what I feel. When we just think of it as a way of learning, of figuring out a path to making the partnership better, when we're invested in our experience with the other person becoming better rather than focusing on ourselves measuring up, we have a lot more to discover and it's a lot more fun, you know, because it takes away that fear of it being our fault, right? I think this anxiety of constantly waiting to find out, is it really our fault? Is it something wrong with me? Right. We, we were looking for that confirmation that something's wrong, but then if that fear, if we just see it as that fear that it's not reality, that it's okay for it to be our fault and it's okay for the other person to be at fault, then it becomes much easier to grow and the communication opens up and we learn from each other. And that skill is definitely applicable in everyday life. I mean, for me, it's been an essential skill to develop both as a teacher and as a partner in my relationship, because especially with my students, I noticed this as students, we put our teacher on a pedestal and we think everything they're saying is right. And then we look to them to tell us what's wrong with us. I did that for years and years. And as a teacher, I would take on that responsibility of like, I know what's right for you. I will tell you if you're wrong or not. But I noticed that with this kind of approach, the students would plateau and they wouldn't get to that place where they're just self-generating their own insights and discovering and playing and, and really having their own momentum. They were really still looking to me, to other teachers, to tell them if they're right or not. And you know, there was a little bit of that stalling. So I really had to change my approach. And instead of agreeing to be put on this pedestal where I'm the authority, I would always put it on them to discover and see my role as helping them to see what they already know. And if they don't know something at this moment, it is not my business to insist that they do know unless they ask for it, unless they ask the question. So to just guide the person 
through a process of understanding in their own way, whose fault is it that something's not working, right? Like to develop, to help someone develop the skill to see whose fault it is. To be able to tell whose fault is it that I'm losing balance right now. I think this is the, one of the other top questions I get a lot. You know, I'm always losing my access. Why? Why am I losing balance? So to be able to answer that, that's what I want to impart to my students, to teach them to be able to tell for themselves, for their own body, why something's not working, whether it's not working because they're not doing something or it's not working because their partner is not doing something. Those are essential skills to have in my humble opinion. So when it comes to developing the skill of being able to tell whose fault it is in an objective way, I don't think I could have developed that quality to such a degree if I didn't lead. So consider this <laughs> another little plug for learning to lead for women. And yes, learning to follow for men is also extremely beneficial. I have found that the best leaders are the ones who understand the principles of following. And they have that understanding in their body, not just conceptually, but that they can follow. If they can follow well, they lead even better. So it is true that for both roles, for both genders, if you know two sides, the two sides of tango, it helps. It helps you to understand it from both sides. If you just know one role, it's like something's underground. It's like roots underground. You can't see them. They're there. But when you learn the opposite role, it really illuminates this question of whose fault it is. And you're able to fix things and figure things out very quickly. However, there is not much incentive for men <laughs> to follow, <laughs> at least not yet. We are still very much dealing with the issue that there are more women in tango than men. So men are not incentivized to learn the opposite role. And for women, we are incentivized both because we want to be dancing more, but also because we're always adapting to different leaders. And that's such a hard skill to develop over time. So if you as a follower can understand leading even the basic principles, it will make your experience as a follower so much more clear. And I love, I love hearing from women who know both roles that sometimes when a particular leader starts giving them feedback, they can respond in kind and totally throw it back to them and question their logic and to really figure this out. Perhaps 
you don't really feel like learning to lead. And I've talked to some women who are very strong about this, that they really love following and they're not interested in dancing with women perhaps. And they want to, they really want to dance with men and they really want to dance with men as followers. Is there something that you can do in that situation that would help you develop the skill, that objective skill of telling whose fault is it? <laughs> I think the best thing that you can do is practice other dances and other movement forms. So yoga, Pilates, gyrotonics, Tai Chi, blues, salsa, swing, because all of these movement forms have the same fundamental laws that are dictated by our anatomy. And the more perspectives and the more angles from which you explore these laws, the clearer you will have an understanding about your own body. And in that way, you'll be able to tell more clearly, are you losing balance because your alignment is off? Or are you losing balance because your partner has too much tension in their embrace and they're pushing you off their, off your axis? Those are the distinctions that you can learn to have. So I'm curious how this episode is landing with you. If you have something to add, some stories to share, I would love to hear from you. I look forward to seeing you and bantering with you next week. Until then, ciao.